Welcome to the Yours in Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing Podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Hey, everyone. On today's episode, I was able to speak with Kevin Lee, who is the VP of Marketing at Buffer. And I just want to give you a quick idea of what we talked about. It was a really fascinating interview. So Kevin works remotely in Idaho while the rest of Buffer is also remote, scattered across the globe. So we talk a lot about remote work. Also, how to grow a following on social media from scratch. And then finally, how he took an unconventional way to becoming a VP and how you might be able to do the same for your career advancement. Kevin is really bright. It was very interesting talking to him. I highly recommend this for anybody that is thinking about working remotely or currently is, or thinking about maybe advancing in your career, this can be really impactful. So without further ado, here's the interview with Kevin Lee. So on the show today, I have Kevin Lee, who is the VP of Marketing at Buffer. You've also got other things going on, but uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Kevin, how are you doing? How's, how's your day been? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's been a, a fun day. It's nice and summery outside, so can't complain. Yeah, so you are out in Idaho, is that right? I am, yes. The, the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can relate. I grew up in Utah, so that's, oh, that's where I'm from. I'm no stranger to Idaho either, but... Uh, I think the first question a lot of people would have is, wait, you're working at a company like Buffer, but you're in Idaho. That's not usually one of those tech marketing hubs that we think about. So <laughs> speak to that a little bit. How is how is it different from other places that maybe you've been or is it actually the same and remote work has made it possible to make everything feel the same? Are there any challenges with being in Idaho, but running the marketing for a big company like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I do think about it a lot. So my life experience doesn't go too far outside of Idaho. So I was born and raised here and went to college in Seattle. Uh, I got a taste for the big city there and kind of preferred things in the smaller cities pace of life. So moved back to the Boise, Idaho area. have been there ever since. So I can't compare it too much to a San Francisco <laughs> or New York. Right. Uh, the pace is a lot different though. So we have some, some tech companies from here, but mostly it's, you know, very rural, um, not a lot of startup scene here in Boise. So I'm really grateful for remote work. This type of job at Buffer would not have been possible were it not for remote work. We would have had to move and kind of find find jobs in other places. So I'm completely grateful for remote work. And because of remote, it feels like I can accomplish anything that I could in San Francisco or New York. Like every every possibility exists for me thanks to remote. I think the only thing that is lacking is just that networking in-person aspect. So you see meetups happening in SF or you get invited out somewhere and you're like, oh no, sorry, I'm hundreds of miles away here in Idaho, <laughs> so I can't quite make it. But otherwise, you know, everyone's just an email DM away. So it's, it's really nice to be connected in that sense. And for the audience, where's the rest of your team? Where are most of the people working? Yeah, from? we are worldwide as a company and the marketing team is pretty much the epitome of worldwide. So we have someone in Sydney and Singapore. We have every U.S. time zone. So we have California and New York and Philly and Nashville. We have someone in the U.K. We have someone in, in Poland. So we are, we are all over the place, <laughs> all over the map. 
And I saw that you you mentioned that you actually do one on ones with everybody on your team. And if they're all over the place, like what what is the challenge of navigating around that in terms of like I guess culture and then also just time zones and everything? How do how are you able to do that? Yeah. We've coined a phrase called calendar Tetris at Buffer, which is you know, both <laughs> both for being busy, but also for like finding ways to fit all these different folks into different slots and time zones. So for me, I sync with my my Asia Pacific teammates, so Singapore and Sydney, Australia, in my evenings once a week. So we have FaceTime once a week in the in my evenings, which is there tomorrow morning. And then I do have a bit of overlap. I start my days pretty early in general, so I have some overlap with the Europe time zone in my early morning, which is their afternoon. So just kind of kind of make it work one way or another. <laughs> is this the first time that you've been a VP of marketing? So is this like a completely, I mean, you've been in this for a while now, but before this kind of take us through where you've been in your career. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been very fortunate to have landed the job I have at Buffer. I started at Buffer as a content writer and just kept walking through open doors all the way to VP. So it's my first VP experience anywhere. My first marketing leadership experience. I've just kind of learned on the job, so to speak. But you you originally got your start as a sports reporter. Am I wrong? You are correct. Yes. Good research. Okay. <laughs> okay. So why? Why did, you, why did you start out there? What was alluring about that? And did you think that that was what you were going to be? Oh, yeah. 100%. I was going to write the back page of Sports Illustrated for out of college is what I thought I was going to look like. Like they just were hiring for that opening, which they were not. So yeah. So writing has always been a passion of mine. And in particular, I really love the journalism side of things. So that's what I went to school for. I had jobs when I was in college writing for local newspapers, covering high school sports and other sports. And I was on that path after leaving college. And I did a couple of internships and tried out a couple of different spots. And I probably should have realized this before I got into it as a major, but when you work with newspapers, like you're working deadlines, which are late at night, you know, five, six, seven nights a week. So it was a very particular lifestyle that I was headed toward. And my wife and I chatted and just realized that wasn't the lifestyle that we wanted for us long-term. So I pivoted away there. It also happened to coincide with kind of that time where newspapers were changing. The industry was changing quite a bit. So there were fewer jobs and they, it was just a bit more cutthroat and and lean in that regard. So looking back, I was very fortunate to have been able to switch paths the way I did. And then I took that writing, that love for writing and translated it into blogging and content marketing. So I was able to you know, start a side hustle, which ended up teaching me lots and got my name out there. And then that's how I got my foot in the door with Buffer too, is you know, writing lots of places and starting as a content person here. Other than the uh, the content writing part of it, or were there other commonalities between the reporting and the marketing that made that transition a little bit easier? Yeah, I think there's some fundamentals, maybe. So one of the big ones is storytelling. So I had to learn how to tell a compelling story. The way you structure a news story is you start with the most important stuff first and kind of that, that inverted pyramid. And so that's that was really key for me in terms of like telling the story of a brand and this very big picture way that I do now as a VP, but also how do you construct a blog post that people are going to stick with? Like, how do you build content in that regard? So that was really important. And then I think the the deadline pressure, like I, I thrive under a deadline, which is very much a, I, I think that's kind of at the core of startups is there's always a deadline and it's always sooner than you wish it was. And so you have to constantly figure out ways to 
know, deliver work. It's a really cool mindset that I love is you know, this aspect of in, in marketing is deliver value constantly in news. It's, you know, write the story, get it out there um, as fast as you can. So those two things seem to, to dovetail nicely. I definitely want to get more into like the the storytelling, the content writing, even what you're doing at Buffer. But I would love to dive a little bit deeper on the past and just see. So, so far, starting as a sports reporter, working your way up to where you are now, it's been a wild journey, an unconventional journey to say the least. Is there a key principle that you've kind of learned from in ex- a certain experience or many experiences over time that still drives you every day? Like something that a principle you learn that motivates you still? Wow. Yeah. I remember a very particular point in time when I was wanting a change in careers and kind of a change in life. And I saw this picture of buffer or remote work or some, some magical, magical spot that I wanted to get to. And it seemed really hard to know how to get there. And the thing that ended up being really useful for me is this mindset of what one thing am I doing today to get to where I want to be? And it didn't have to be a big thing. It didn't have to be, didn't look a certain way, be seen by a certain number of people. It was just, it had to be a thing. Like, did I, could I end my day looking back and thinking I did something today to get me to where I want to be. And I have this poster in my office um, of an artist that I love. His name is Joey Roth. And it's this picture of a staircase leading up to this, this top landing. And on the backside of the staircase is this ramp. And as you go up the staircase, the caption on that is grind. So you grind your way up. And then the ramp, you get to slide down when you get to the top is dream. So you grind so that you can you know, achieve your dreams and, and enjoy that success and that, see that work pay off. So that was kind of the mindset that I took. It's like, what step am I taking today to get to that top and then being able to enjoy it when I got there? How far up do you think you are right now on, on that? At what point do you think you're going to be able to slide down? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's such an interesting one. It's like, you can always be climbing right? That's something I was reading about recently. I got into uh, individual psychology and Alfred Adler. He's a, one of Freud's contemporaries. And such an interesting way of thinking of things. So you often think of, I used to think of my life as like this linear journey of I'm on this line and this path. And, you know, it's just like the staircase. You're always climbing the staircase. And once you, the, the danger is once you reach the top, there's another staircase to keep climbing. And with this individual psychology thing, it's much more about like just jumping to the next dot, like wherever that dot tends to be. And so this like grind and dream, I guess I'm kind of questioning this fundamental grind dream thing that got me to where I am today. Um, <laughs> I think it, I think I've realized once I've been at the top and I've been doing the dreaming, it's it's awesome to achieve that, and I love achieving things. But it's not so much the achieving for me. It's just more of enjoying the journey. And I think looking back, I was fortunate that I was on a staircase that I really enjoyed. Like I was able to learn about content. and I was able to uh, surround myself with people who challenged me every day. And I think that was the core thing. It wasn't so much, oh, I want to be a VP of marketing someday. It was more like, I want to do cool stuff and, and you know, put myself out there and help these people that I love. And it was awesome. It was a cool journey. And I don't think I realized that at the moment, but looking back, I'm starting to embrace that mindset a bit more now. Do you think you could argue with that with that analogy? So I remember when I when I was a kid, I would go to these kind of county fairs or whatever. They'd have the big inflatable slide. I don't know if you've ever been on one of those, mm-hmm. but to get on to get up to it, you have to climb up, you know, a mile of stairs. It seems when you're a kid, 
And then when you actually do it, you're exhausted by the time you get up. But then when you when you actually slide back down, you find yourself at the bottom right where you started. So it's almost <laughs> like you climb all the way to the top, but then when you actually are able to enjoy it, by doing so, you end up back to where you were. Do you think that that's applicable to real life in any way? Like if you actually don't enjoy just making the journey up and you do take advantage of sliding back down, that you're actually going to lose all the ground that you covered in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I think for me, it's like, once you slide back down, are you excited to climb back up again? Or, or did you slide back down and you look around and it's like, now what? I think that's, that's kind of the thing for me. Like hopefully that climb up was fun and, and a bit of a journey that you enjoyed. So I think that is the key thing. Like I like to think of life as there's seasons and ebbs and flows to it Maybe some seasons you're climbing, some seasons you're sliding, but hopefully it's all part of that same fun journey, whether you're going up or sliding down. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about your other side projects too. What else do you have going on? Because it can be really hard to juggle all of that, especially when you're the VP of marketing in a company. So I know that you do, you still write blogs on on the side. You still do other things on the side. I'd love to hear kind of what you're working on and how on earth do you juggle it? Yeah, some days better than others for sure when it comes to juggling. So, yeah, I try to spend a lot of my focus on the buffer stuff. Of course, I have mm-hmm. wonderful family at home, which I love spending time with. So that's a key part of my life. And in terms of like marketing side hustles, I run an email list that I share, share with once a month. So that's been a, a great thing for me. Email is something that I love to do. So I love getting having some my hand in the tactics of something a little bit still. And I have a personal website, which I'm enjoying doing too. I try to repurpose some of the stuff I use at Buffer onto the site. So that's one way that I'm able to maintain some of that. Uh, It's just using some of the messages I share with the team, converting them into blog posts. And beyond that, I'm always always looking for the next big thing too. So I've been really intrigued by paid newsletters recently. Like, is it possible to kind of build up thought leadership to the point that people will pay you to subscribe to your stuff? I stopped doing my sports blog when I joined Buffer and that's been like, not that I really have any regrets in life, but if I were to to name one, I think that one keeps resurfacing often for me. It's like, oh, that was a really special community that I was able to build and be part of. So that's always in the back of my mind too. I'd love to build another community in that way sometime in the future. So it sounds like Buffer is pretty much okay with you doing things on the side. Like they're, they're pretty supportive of you doing your side hustles. They are, yeah. And I think a, the nice thing is a lot of them you know, give back to Buffer too. So the blog and the email list are about building thought leadership and kind of putting Buffer's name out there a bit more too. So I do try to connect them, but yeah, Buffer's cool with absolutely anything I want to be doing. What would you say to the old-fashioned companies out there that, that say, stick to your work, you're not allowed to do anything else, don't build a, a personal brand? What would you say to them? Oh, I, I don't know. That that rubs me the wrong way. I think it's like, I would not be where I am today if I was not able to go outside of my my role and my box and learn new things. So I think you're stifling the potential of your people by telling them, like by putting constraints around them. I think that's how people grow and blossom into new new roles, new responsibilities, new value to your company. So I think you're holding yourself back if you're holding your people back. I, yeah, I mean... You're obviously, you're more than just a marketing guy. There's more on your mind, more that you'd like to put out there than just tips on marketing or or whatever. And yeah, it's stifling that definitely can have that negative impact. But I think there are a lot of companies out there that for sure do not want you to deviate from what you do. They want you singularly focused on your role. 
But in reality, that's actually just creating resentment probably from employees that do have a little bit more ambition to do those things. That's a really good point. Yeah, we tend, tend to think of it as like, as long as your need to haves are taken care of, so the parts of your role that need to happen, go ahead and work on your like to haves, whether that's, you know, you want to explore something new within the con- within the constraints of Buffer, like you want to try a new thing there, or if you want to go beyond Buffer and you know start a side business, experiment with this or that. So yeah, I, I'm totally with you. So I, this is semi-related. It's, it's related to something you brought up, but I want to talk about the way that you got to Buffer and, and the reason why is, so I had another guest on who, Tim Solo, the, the CMO of Ahrefs, and he had a similar, kind of different, but a similar unconventional path like you did where he was just doing consulting and advising and then all of a sudden now he's the CMO of Ahrefs. And I just want to know from your perspective, is this, do you think this is kind of the new way that people can move up in companies is to take a more unconventional path to really stand out in one specific thing, even if you're outside of the business and work your way in that way, as opposed to just, you know, grinding through and being the best in every role and work up the ladder? Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I, I guess for me, it, it's really similar to how startups are kind of in this disruptive space too, where you have these people starting businesses who might not have had a lot of previous business experience. They had ideas and they had perspectives on how they think the world could be better. And I guess I'm starting to see that trickle down into the ranks of you know executive teams or even the way businesses hire or startups hire is you're, you're looking for potential and you're looking for drive and you're looking for curiosity and it's not so much that those things come with an MBA or come with education or experience in particular things. Like they're just like core values and fundamentals of people. And if you can identify those, I think it's, it's awesome. I think in the case of Tim, like he's an amazing marketer and you see some of the stuff he writes that comes from such a unique perspective. And I don't know that you would have that unique perspective if you were hiring someone who had been doing this kind of stuff the same way for 10, 15 years. And I think for me too, like I, I definitely have, my areas that I could do better in and learn a lot more in. I think there's also areas that I excel in that you might not get if you were to hire someone who you know, came from somewhere else with these particular experiences in mind. So I think there's pros and cons to it, but I think we're more aware of the pros these days and kind of open to those pros. I think there's, there's risk in it. The safe call is to hire someone who's done it before or has a certain type of background. But I think the risks are showing that they're, they're paying off for a lot of companies. And what one of those unique skills that set you apart was your ability to create content. It's something you still do very often. Obviously, we had another guest on at the very beginning, Joel Kletke, who like all he does is write ad copy for websites. And I, I would love to hear your perspective on that too, where the importance of content and making sure the messaging is on point as opposed to just trying to push out a product because it's a great product, but also making sure that the messaging is thoughtful and that the con like how, how, what's your process for that? What is your, what is your thought on the importance of content in the actual product marketing? Yeah, I think it's, it's huge. It's something that I try to advocate for as much as possible. So there's many different product processes that different teams will have. And I think my, my favorite ones, the ones that I admire most are ones that start with that messaging almost before you get to the, the design of the feature or the thing that you're building. Like, let's figure out what story this is telling. What, how are we helping our 
customers with this? How, how are we going to tell them about, how are we going to communicate this value to them when it goes live? So I love a product marketing strategy that content is baked into the very beginning. And for me, my process has a lot to do with being close to the customer and understanding the words they're using and understanding the needs they have and where they are in, in the world. I think empathy is a really big part of marketing. And empathy comes all the way down to the, the very core of like, what are we building? Why are we building it? Who are we building it for? So yeah, for me, like you can't have a, a sustainable, successful product strategy without thinking about those content aspects from the very beginning. What percentage would you say of businesses that have you know social media or, or even just on their websites are actually trying to tell a story versus how many are just trying to push product? Oh, I, I've been guilty of pushing product many times before, <laughs> so I'm afraid the percentage across the board might be uh, might be rather high. It's, you know, maybe it's as high as fifty fifty sometimes. Um, sometimes it can feel that way too. Like you know, you know when a message isn't really resonating with you or when it's feeling overly promotional or things. So I think consumers are getting a lot wiser too. To we can weed out the inauthentic product pitches these days a lot better than we could in the past. So you really do need to start from that foundation. Are there, are there any companies that stand out in your mind that really do a great job of telling a story? Yeah, I think Wistia is one that we've long admired in their approach. I think they have a unique way of doing it because a lot of it is video storytelling. So they're you know, obviously a video software company. So a lot of their messaging and positioning and, and content is video-based and you can tell some really cool stories that way. But I think the way that they come up with their features and things are it's a very core to their audience of you know b2b folks so they're coming up with ways to create sales videos on the fly they're giving you tips on how to you know make better videos that convert and just everything seems to be customer oriented with the stuff that they deliver there so they're one of my favorites i'm also a big fan of the work that Trello does. I think they're very good at seeking out feedback and advice there. I think Airtable has done some cool things as well and identifying like even a different customer base than Trello has or finding some opportunities there. So it's neat to see those in comparison to each other. So there's lots of good examples, I think, to look for from its house. All right. I want I want to shift gears just a, a tad bit. If you if you will indulge me, I want to do a mind exercise if you're prepared okay. for that. <laughs> sure. Because I know there are there are a lot of business owners or leaders that are going to listen to this, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what they really would want to know from you. So, here's the mind exercise: Imagine you're you're starting your own business from scratch, nothing that you've already done before. You have no resources, you have no budget for paid advertising at first, and you have no name recognition whatsoever. So you're really starting from scratch. If I'm a brand or a business and I'm looking to grow a social media following from scratch. What would Kevin Lee's process be for that? Wow. That is a good one. Plus the constraints on that exercise. Um, yeah. I made sure to make it difficult on you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you got it. It's a good one. I mean, that's it's reality for a lot of folks, isn't it? Like you're, you are starting from square one a lot of times. So we have, we've written some blog posts on this too. It's like, how do you get from zero to a thousand followers? How do you go from 1,000 to 10,000? So there's kind of some milestones along the way. And for me, it starts from this foundation of being involved in the community. So it's not about what hack can I do to go from zero to 500 in 24 hours or something. It's about like sincerely getting involved with folks, getting involved in those different networks. So for me, a lot of it comes down to being consistent with the content that you create, being high quality with the content you create. So that's going to build a good base of, like a good profile base for you. Some people come to your 
profile, they're going to see what you're all about and see that you are someone worth following. So that's going to get you followers there. Then as you're creating this content on a consistent basis, make sure to include things like hashtags and other discoverable features so that you're able to pop up when people are doing searches, when they're looking for certain topics. And beyond that, then a lot of it is going to be going out and engaging with folks. So, you know, looking up keyword searches for things you know about, answering people's questions, using trending topics and you know, popular hashtags to join conversations that you want to be part of and really getting involved. I guess there's this, is, this might not be the answer folks want to hear, but there's no like shortcut or magic bullet to go super fast there. There's, there's things like the Gary Vaynerchuk two cent strategy, but a lot of that is you find people to go engage with authentically. And if you have like a, a strategic approach to it, great, it might save you a bit of time in the long run. But there's still going to be that time investment to do it right and to, to build a following that counts. So yeah, sorry, no shortcuts, but there, there is a way to do it. <laughs> that, well, that, that is why I wanted to ask you, because I had a hunch that you weren't just going to tell me one thing that would get me 20,000 Twitter followers. I think that's a, an important reality for a lot of people is the amount of work it takes, just like anything else. Like Social media is not trying to do you any favors. It's really right. all about how much you're willing to put into it. But do you feel like when you do put the work into it, especially if, so for your own personal brand, for example, or for Buffer, do you feel like all of the effort that goes into it is genuinely worth it? Is there some ROI that you feel is je- definitely worth all of the effort? Yeah, we've had a, a long history with social media ROI. So the way we're thinking about it today is a bit more on the brand side of things. So we tend to see social media as a brand play. So we think social media is like the yellow pages of today. So people are going to social media to find out who your company is, what you're all about, and to see if you're worth their time, like if worth getting to know more. So for us, it's about positioning ourselves as a, as a company that people can find answers, they can find solutions, they can find real people on the other end of those DMs and tweets and things. So yeah, for us, the, like the dollars and cents ROI is something we don't really measure anymore. But we do see really positive sentiment. We see really positive brand awareness through social media. So it's 100% been worth it for us. And for me personally, building a brand there for myself has been great. Just seeing the people that I can connect with, having some locations for thought leadership and things. It's definitely been worth it. With with one of the key features of Buffer being that you can actually schedule out posts or semi-automate some things, how do we make sure that we remain genuine when we're still trying to be empathetic to our audience and, com- and create a real community, how does that? How can we marry those two together so that it's not just scheduling out links and kind of let, let it, hoping that everything's going to work out for us? Yeah, it's a tricky one, and, and that's even something we've started to shift a bit from Buffer. So we want to be known less as a social media scheduling tool and more as a like a brand building tool. Is really what social media is these days. Like you can use Buffer to build your online brand on these places. But like at the end of the day, right, you're scheduling content to go out to these different places. A lot of it has shifted to from scheduling to planning. So if you think of it less as I'm going to schedule this, I'm going to schedule a month's worth of content and then go on vacation and come yeah. back in a month and all's going to be good. Like, no, all's not going to be good. You're going to have someone reply to you tomorrow who's been waiting 30 days to hear back from you or something. So I think that it's like a mindset shift. Like, yes, you're technically scheduling. But really what you're doing is planning out, making sure you have content to go, ready to go all the time. And then you're going into the conversations that that content is creating. Like you're not just setting it and forgetting it. You're jumping back in. So we have tools at Buffer that help with that. We have a tool called Buffer Reply. Some other tips you can do is you can 
when you actually get down to the scheduling of it, schedule it on times when you are available to answer comments and questions, not schedule it when you're asleep or eating lunch or in a uh, block of meetings or something. So there's some different tips we can do there. And yeah, and then just kind of keeping an eye on things. So we use reply for that. You can use email alerts, notifications. There's an expectation to get certain replies out by a certain time on social media these days. And so we have to have the tools to support that as well. Do you, do you personally have a, like a schedule or an agenda for how much you're going to do in terms of community building every day, every week? Do you set aside an hour every so often to reply to things on Twitter? Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I hesitate to say it because I'm probably going to, like the week that this goes live, I'm going to have forgotten <laughs> to check it, <laughs> check Twitter for a week or something. Um, but I, I do, I try to get to everything once a day. I'm a lot better at my email. So I clear my email morning and, and evening, so twice a day. And sometimes I'll pipe notifications in through email to make sure I catch them. But otherwise, I just you know make a point to go to Twitter once a day to clear out all replies and DMs and make sure I've covered everyone there. And then I have a weekly block on my calendar. I call it like a give back block. And during that time, I'll go to the Slack communities I'm a part of. I'll check in on Twitter again. Yeah, I kind of reserve that time, especially for engaging with folks and trying to give back the best I can. I have a few rapid fire questions for you as well that I think I would like to kind of jump in here, kind of interrupt it with some of these. And then at the end, we can kind of go into another maybe deep question. But sure. I'd love to give you just a breather for a second. If it's as quickly as you can possibly answer these one word, one sentence, however you can do it. So this is a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Ready. All right. When you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? Bill Gates. But I want to, can I change it? Sure. Is that, is that allowed? Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Oh, are you, a, are you a Patriots fan? Oh, yes, I am. But I was a fan before Tom Brady. I was a fan when they weren't good, if that helps to hear. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you believe, but other people might think is kind of insane? Oh, I think I would love to go back to social media like 10 years ago before algorithms and news feeds and things and just like give me all my content in chronological order all at once. I can I can handle it myself. <laughs> so you're anti-algorithm. I'm anti-algorithm, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's a common misconception about you? Um that I that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that allowed? Yeah, that's that I, allowed. I, that I think I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with imposter syndrome. So, What's your deepest regret thus far in your life? Is it your the sports blog? Ooh. Is that it? It might be the sports blog. One time I was backstage with a, a music artist and I had a chance to go like request a song. I, was gonna, I wanted to go up and ask them to play a certain song and I chickened out and didn't. they didn't play the song. So... Big, big regret, big missed opportunity. Was it? Was it Drake? Who was it? Uh, it was a band called Switchfoot. Switchfoot. I remember Switchfoot. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had like a deep cut that I loved, and there was no chance they were going to play it unless I asked them. So I, I missed out. All right, here's this is a tough one. If I were to tell you, Kevin, we're making a movie about your life, but I need you to tell me what genre it's going to be and the actor that's going to play you. Who? Do you, what? Who are you going to say? Oh, I want it to be uh, stop motion, like claymation, <laughs> and like a comedy. And 
I either want to do like Wallace and Gromit style where I don't have to talk and it's just like, you just go about, go about things. Uh Um, Or the voice actor would be uh, Bill Hader. I think he does a lot of cool voices. So he might make me, me sound a lot of different ways. Uh, That's a, that's a first on both accounts there. Well done. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Is there a book that you give out as a present a lot or one that's impacted you a lot that you read often? Yeah, one of my favorite writing ones is Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. And she's one of my favorite authors overall. So anything from her is great. And business-wise, I'm really into the hard the hard thing about hard things recently. So that's one that I, I love to recommend. All right. That that was a rapid fire round you passed with flying colors. Awesome. Very good. That was fun. <laughs> back questions. to the back to the serious though. Okay. Let's get real for one final question. In terms of where you're at right now, what what's your own personal call to action? Hmm. Like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? I guess really just, motto? yeah, like, what's your motto? What's the advice that you would give you right now uh, if you were looking back ten, to 10 years ago version of you? Yeah, that is a deep one. We kind of talked about my mindset these days, like fluctuating between set a goal and achieve it. and jumping from dot to dot. I think if I were to look back and give myself advice or kind of reflect on the last little bit, I'd say I'd say my advice is to not get so caught up in the day-to-day of things, but to kind of look at look at life from a more macro view and things have a way of working out when you zoom out and look at it from this bigger picture. So, I think I I can often get very in the weeds and think if I don't do this one thing tomorrow, then the world might fall apart or this won't have, this won't go the right way. And, you know, you can often do the same thing when you're an executive level and looking at SAS metrics on a day-to-day basis, you think, Oh, growth is down X percent today. And what does that mean for the future? Growth is up X percent. and Here we are in a great spot. And I think it's not until you zoom out and you see these larger trends, and these bigger, bigger views that you really get this clearer picture of, not only where you've been and how things how things were, but also where you're going and maybe some trust and reassurance that the road ahead is going to be all right too. And there's lots of different paths that will work out for you. So yeah, I think I'd be a bit less less tunnel vision than I was initially and a bit more open to the possibilities. What what does the future look like for you? Where where do you think you're gonna be in five, ten years? What do you what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. So one of the things that's really important to me is that I am able to build up leaders on my team and allow people to have the opportunities that I have had so far. And I'm aware that that might mean a different type of role for me, either at Buffer or somewhere else. And I'm totally okay with that. Like if I, if I'm able to build up the person who replaces me at Buffer, like that is an awesome outcome for me and, and hopefully for that person too. And, if that means I, you know, go back to writing a buffer, that's wonderful. That's what I loved from the beginning. So that wouldn't be bad at all. If it means I go somewhere else and you know have a chance to lead a team elsewhere, that's great. If it means I leave marketing altogether, I'm totally open to that that as well. So I think it's I don't know how what the, the next grind is for me or like what the next exact thing is. But I think I, I want to be guided by more of these like principles and more loose goals of building up people and enjoying the journey and just kind of leaning into these different things that I'm doing at the moment. 
trusting that wherever they end up will be a great spot. Well, it sounds like you are perfectly content with just doing the things that you love, regardless of the title. But a lot of people would would say, oh, man, I would give anything to be the VP of marketing at Buffer or at at some other company. Is is title really just not important to you? (laughs) It was until I got it. Is that a a (laughs) terrible thing to admit? Like, I remember... (laughs) Like six months ago, I was thinking, oh, like I want this VP of marketing title. And like, it, it was very significant to me. And I think now that I have it, it's, it's a wonderful achievement. And I love everything that it represents and the opportunities that it has afforded me. I also think there's lots of other ways that I could have had of an equally happy journey at Buffer or somewhere else, uh, regardless of title. So yeah, to a degree, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. But also, I totally get it if VP of marketing is the thing that you want. Like I, I was in that exact same boat. So I, I, I don't feel like I can judge <laughs> based on that. All right, Kevin, I want to give you the chance to talk about what you're working on now, what the people should go and do. Give us your call to action. And uh, then I'll kind of gracefully let you out. <laughs> awesome. This is fun. Yeah. So you can check out my website, kevinlee.com. It's K-E-V-A-N-L-E-E.com. And there's a newsletter sign up in the footer there. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at Kevin Lee. And if you want to look more into Buffer, we have a brand new brand identity and fancy new website and lots of cool stuff happening. So we are a brand building tool for all your social media online needs. And we are at buffer.com. Easy enough. All right, Kevin, it was a pleasure having you come on. I actually learned a lot. I took some notes here on uh, on some things about social media for myself. So I appreciate it. Awesome. And let's let's stay in touch. This is great. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcast, we've got you covered anywhere you want. 